1: Get in touch with the show. All of our contact details can be found at HOLRadio.net forward slash contact.
2: Hello and welcome to a very special palace show. Uh, we don't really know what to call it because today we are joining forces with five-year plan. We've got Jim Daly. That noise you can hear is Jim scrambling for a microphone. Hi Jim. Good evening. Hi. <laughs> hello and also i mean that is pretty exciting isn't it having having jim on the show but we've also got the ginger adonis that is terence Ford. <laughs> hi terence ginger adonis hello yeah. um
3: yeah. No, that's quite the introduction
2: you weren't expecting that were you because of the introduction i did pre-show that was good it was so good we couldn't use uh, i didn't say anything of the sort did i no <laughs> anyway Uh, What we've got for you today is a phone-in show uh, because of some demands that were made on our time last week, specifically by Shane, who's going to be first up. Uh, We'll give him a call in in just a moment. But uh, if you want to take this number down, so you can get in touch throughout the course of the show talk about anything you like. Uh, Ask our opinions, obviously, but give your own views and we will dissect them with you. Uh, Perhaps, you know, maybe we'll have some uh, interesting arguments slash debates, all that kind of stuff. Hopefully it will stay friendly. Don't want any serious arguments apart from between me and terrence <laughs> uh so <laughs> but so take this number down it's 0208 123 that's 08 oh no 0208 123 66 99 i'll be honest i've been playing fifa all day and i've melted my brain so it doesn't really work this is a really bad time to do this show however how many,
3: uh, you- how many times did dr beat you
2: I didn't play against him. That's a foolish thing to do. Never play against D.R. Kurnis. <laughs> uh, just just infuriated. Uh, Jim, I wanted to quickly ask you. You did the uh, the uh, Palace for Life Foundation Marathon March yesterday. And how are you feeling? Um, I feel half a man in many
4: ways. But then I often <laughs> did before the walk anyway. So maybe a quarter of a man. Um, I'm, I'm actually doing okay. Like the the initial... Uh, sort of aftermath of the walk yesterday was horrendous. I mean, genuinely, I have so much respect for anyone that does marathons or walks or anything, because I, I can't even describe the pain. Like it was my legs felt felt like concrete. I honestly it was just the most horrible thing I've ever I, I got home I couldn't take my clothes off for a bath first I couldn't first I couldn't work out if it was a cold or a hot bath to take and then I had a lo- did a lot of research and, and could never not find the answer I went for a hot bath because I thought cold would just be too horrible I had to get my girlfriend to like pull my clothes off me uh, and then couldn't get out the bath she had to like take me out the bath like some sort of old person which is a glimpse into our future as a
2: couple. <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> um, sounds traumatising. Absolutely. Now, I our, our very, our very own Tim Warren uh, does a awful lot of running, and he said in, in a weird way. It's actually worse to, to run to walk a marathon than it is to run it. But Tim's lying about that because surely
4: I think it's true because, well, uh, one, I would say it's true because I have never run a marathon, but I have walked one. But also I think it's the pain is elongated. So when you do a marathon, like obviously it's very, very, very painful, but it's for four or five hours, however, you know, depending on how good you are. Um, it, this was like a an, an 10 hour thing. I think it was eight nine hour thing in the end. So the pain is, is much longer. It's twice as long. Um, and there's no really getting away from it because you're not allowed to run. I'd, I'd imagine. I, don't know, I didn't try. Um, so it, I can imagine that it is more painful. Yeah. But it was just it was just it was brilliant day, you know, brilliant in terms of the support and loads of people were doing it. And the camaraderie was unbelievable and everyone was getting on and supporting each other. But I'm not going to I'm not going to lie to you and say it wasn't painful because it was the most pain I've ever experienced.
2: Oh, wow even worse than the pain of being on the sellers' pitch <laughs> dancing with the cheerleaders <laughs> oh that was in pain i love that that was great that was all a, right I know another person I know another person who loved that probably a little bit too much too much um my wife is sat in
3: the room with me so no comment <laughs> <laughs> fair play
2: anyway um so we've got a couple of things that we want to talk about ourselves as well. Well, not we necessarily want to, but we will, which is generally our feelings about Palace. And We'll do that throughout the show. You know, obviously if there's any lulls in your calls, but last time we did a phone in show, you were uh, pretty intense and kept us going for about an hour and a half, but we'll see how we get on. So I'm going to ask uh, Mikey to, to get Shane on the phone as soon as he can. And now just to just give you a little bit of background. Shane contacted us during the review show uh, on Sunday. And, and asked asked if he could phone in and talk specifically about um, about the, the position of Steve Parrish. Where obviously we were doing a review show, so it didn't really fit in with what we were we were going to do. But we wanted to give Shane the opportunity to kick us off today. And I believe we've got him now. Hi, Shane. Hello. How are you? Not too bad at all, mate. Well, listen, it's it's a big responsibility on your shoulders. I've got Jim and Terence here, of course, and uh, we just want to hear what your what your views are. First of all, just explain what. Uh, you know, what it, what it is that's is that's got you so fed up, because obviously we're all fed up, but let's get some, some specifics from yourself, and then we'll get into a bit of discussion about your, your comments last week, if we can.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, personally, if I start off by saying, you no, know, I think CPFC 2010 and Steve Parrish have done absolute wonders. Club, um, I'm very thankful as our every fan for, you know, saving us from where we were, and um, there's no doubt that financially we're in a great position. However, I think after five years of being in the Premier League, cracks have started to show in the past couple of years. And I think a few questions need to get answered. I mean, I'll I'll elaborate on that. So, you know, Pulas showed that you know, when 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 he left that no one is bigger than the club, but in my opinion, at times it feels that the parish is. So, you know, like Pardue came in and, you know, looking at January 2016. You know, um, December we were fifth in the league. We we were you know high flying. That that six months up until the FA Cup final. Yes, he got us to the, after the FA Cup final. However, he should have been packed after that. The, the the six months after the FA Cup final, to December, in my opinion, w- was a waste. When we got Big Sam in in, in that that um, transfer window in the summer, there. You know, we did we didn't get any cover at left back. Uh, obviously, Pupul was in the accident. We had Martin Kelly playing at left. Left back, and you would have thought that would be a lesson learned. And now, with obviously Christian Benteke being injured, we, it kind of feels like, well, we, we've been, been here before, H- have we not learned anything? Big Sam, um, obviously, when he came in, they brought it back in, fair place for him, um he spent a bit of money, uh, and he left. And, you know, we've had 12 managers in seven years, and they've either been sacked, or, in my opinion, the two best managers have walked away. So, you know, either either Parish is making too many big decisions himself, or he's not getting the support that he requires, or being badly advised. Yeah.
1: So,
5: you know, no. don't you expect me on tonight's show. I just, I just want to know. Oh, I want to hear what your views are right in response to that.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. There's to be honest, and I'm sure you recognize this. There's an awful lot contained in what you've said. So, you know, you can go two ways on it. You can kind of, you can try and make a sort of a general sweeping statement in which case I would, that's the one where I, I personally just default and say, look, you have to look at the history of our club and you have to understand that we're, we're actually in uncharted waters. You know, we've never stayed in the top division this long before um, and one of the things that happens to a club of our size when you when you get up is that you have to you have to kind of build and replace that, that members of that squad. And I think we've we've struggled to do that. But I think I think there's a case to say that it's, you can't just say that there was it's due to mistakes that that's happened. I think sometimes it's easy to go well something's gone wrong, so therefore. There must have been some another decision that would make things go right and we'd still be sitting fifth in the league. And I think that's that's a sort of trap that people do fall into. So in a general sweeping statement, I would say we're in a difficult time and Steve Parrish has got a terribly difficult job. And whilst there's certainly criticism can be can be levied at him, there's no actual guarantees that that you know we had the capability to do the things that we needed to stay in this division for any longer anyway. I'm not saying we're down, I'm just saying yeah. History, history points me in that direction so that's my general statement I, and I want to bring the other guys in to sort of give a general statement as well yeah. before we start analyzing the bits and you can start picking the bits out of what we say as well uh so uh, Jim yeah. I'll ask you next if you could just give us a sort of general view of what, sh- what Sean's sorry Shane's brought up um yeah
4: I mean it's it's obviously it's not a straightforward answer is it and I'm sure we all know that that there's a there's a lot of factors involved in this thing but I think Shane's Point is a valid one because it's something that we've all talked about and we all worry about at Palace, and it's it is something that we all think about as fans. But I I often wonder, and this is just me projecting it out there, and I could be wide of the mark. I, I wonder if Steve's main problem sometimes or main fault is is being a fan and and being a fan of a club and and running it is, I'd imagine, very difficult because you know there are a lot of decisions that you have to make where being emotionally detached would help and when you're a fan you can't emotionally I, I, detach I, I, yourself
5: I understand a, that, and i would say i would say in response to that is so it in, in my eyes it comes down to three things he, he's either making too many of the big decisions and he's getting the calls wrong or he's being misadvised or he's, he's not getting the support he requires from the other owners so like for example like um you made a you made a great point. Obviously, you know we've always been on the fringes of the decision uh, of the division and and um, you know promotion and stuff like that. But like for example, like you know we've got um, Phil Alexander. He's been there for 23 years. Like what what asset is he to the club? Mark Bright. Yeah, okay, he's not he he's not um he doesn't get paid and he gives up his time and yeah okay yeah, that's commendable. But again, what does he bring to the club? Dougie Freeman. He's now been brought in director of football. What experience has he got with being the director of football at a football club. It just seems to me, like, if, if Adam Tardew was had no connection to Crystal Palace, then he would have been sacked before he was. But the fact that he had a connection with Crystal Palace, what, why did he see
2: it out of club? I, I see that, and, that's, and that's, you know, it's, a, it's a big question. I think when we spoke to Steve, it was interesting to hear him sort of go exactly where I would have gone with it, which was he got criticised for keeping Pardew on too long, because I think because he wanted him to succeed, he wanted him to turn it around more than anything, you know, and he obviously saw, and that goes back to what you said
5: about him being a fan, and that
2: might get way. Yeah. Right. and there's but you've nothing also... against that, no, but you've, you've also no, got I'm the,
5: not... f... <laughs> go on, sorry, sorry, sorry you,
2: sorry, you go, I was going to say, but you've got the flip side of that, where he also gets criticised, for, for pulling the trigger on De Boer too quickly, so you know, I can, so I can see in his position, you know, it's a difficult call to make because, you know... it.
5: it... I can see that. But, but he, he, Steve Parrish gave the expectation. On the, on the last week of the season, he's the one who tweeted, right, we've got an 84-day plan now to the top 10. And after yeah. four games, he sacked Frank the Book. And the reason we're not a top 10 club is because top 10 clubs do not do that. So, like, it, it, you know, it's a fact that Fonsi Mensah and um, Ross's Rottis, uh, Chief came in because obviously Frank the Board sold the club to them. Yeah, So after Swansea, if, if things weren't going right, then if they would have sacked him after Swansea, he would have had three or four days before the end of the transfer window, Dave Hodgson come in, to potentially get in one or two transfer targets. We didn't. We missed the trick. We waited two weeks. We waited for our best performance against Burnley. Um, and then in the last minute, Stan puts that chance away. Does the ball get sacked? You know, yeah, Well, and, and there's things. Like, yeah. like, look at the ticket allocation. So, so Newcastle away, we got offered three thousand tickets. We've taken fifteen hundred. If we lose against Chelsea, which chances are we are, this game against Newcastle could be one of the biggest games in the in our five years of, of the Premier League. If we win, then you know we sneak a win, then Hodgson can say, right, the, you know, forget the last eight games. The season starts here. Why are we not taking a full t- t- ticket allocation to that?
2: So well, that's
5: fifty away. You need twenty and um, loyalty points. Sorry, I just make this one last point. Yeah. You need twenty loyalty points for Bristol City away. You can get four four bids half time to get get you twenty loyalty points. Sunderland away on March the first, two thousand and sixteen. You needed twenty loyalty points for the for the game. Yeah. How can four bids and Sunderland away on a Tuesday night add, add up to the same? Uh, look, there's
2: it's I mean, time- the, the points. <laughs> the points side of it. I mean, this is where we get into territory of deciding that Steve Parrish is doing everything, which obviously I don't think you, what you're making is a really valid point. And as someone who's traveled away uh, an awful lot and seen how the point system has been applied, I think you've got some really valid criticisms there, but you know, we, we we're in danger of not being able to talk about, you know, the, the specifics of where, of what, you know, what you're bringing up previous to that. So I want to, okay, I want to no, get Terrence no, no, no. into sort of, we will address that. Yeah. It, it's cool you've got obviously you've got you've got a lot to say and it's good because we, we're not going to kick you off or anything we'll carry on we'll talk as much as we can about everything yeah. that, you, that you've raised but terence if you want to yeah. jump in and kind of address the second part of what Shane was saying,
3: god there's so much to um touch on there <laughs> I, I, I think i'll avoid parish points i don't think that's um <laughs> a good thing for me to get involved in because um I'll, I'll go off on one on those um i think one of parish's main problems is if you if you become his friend, which I do believe Alan Pardew was, and that's probably why it took him so long to sack him, is that he has a, a tendency to be loyal to a fault. So he stuck around with Pardew for way too long. Um, you look at his history of giving contracts to players who uh, probably passed it because he feels like he owes them something for what they've done for the club. So whether you look at Paddy McCarthy or you look at Damian Delaney most recently, um who by yeah. all in, by all rumors that you know damien delaney and steve parish are good friends and you know he has done a good service to the club but then is that becoming a bit of a pod prob- pard- a pardew problem as well where you know people are sticking around who probably shouldn't be there um yeah. you touched on phil alexander as well um as <laughs> something else i won't get involved in <laughs> um
5: I'll just say, he, he's been through two administrations. He's the longest-serving chief executive in English football. So, over the last five years since he's been in the in the Premier League, he moved the club forward. I'm sorry, but he hasn't. So, people need to start looking at this and start saying, yes, OK, TFC 2010 have been excellent for the club. There's no denying that. There's no denying that Steve Parrish is an excellent businessman. He can run a business. But can he run a football club? I'm sorry, but based on the last couple of years he, he, he can't and if we look at Roy Hodgson he, he, he's what 70 odd years old if, if we get relegated and he leaves the club he might if he uh, stays up he might stay for another season who do we want to make the decision for our next manager of the club that's right. what we've got okay. to ask ourselves who do we want let, to make that
2: decision let me respond directly to something you've said there Shane because was a fair question you've said Steve Parrish is clearly very talented businessman. He's made an awful lot of money, and he's built a fantastic company in Tag that he sold for an awful lot of money. Um, and you said, "But can he run a football club?" And you believe that he can't. W- what I would say to that—I'm well, not saying this- I can't believe. I'm not- sorry, I
5: don't. I- I'm not. Saying- I don't believe he can't. What I think we need to know as fans is—is he making decisions on his own? Is he not getting the support? Is he being bad advice?
2: Well, he has made. So if he's making
5: decisions as a- on his own, then I, I hold that. Yeah. A football club. Okay, if well if it's been badly advised, then you know, it's another question.
2: Well, as, as chairman of our football club, Steve Parrish is the most successful chairman we've had, arguably. He he's achieved something that no other chairman has, of getting us in the Premier League and keeping us there for five years and we're not down yet. You know, he's yeah. he's taken us from and it wasn't like he had a you know, a long period of building us up. You know, he made some very, very quick and brave decisions early on. that that got us into the Premier League far quicker than any of us thought we would get there when, when we were sitting there in 2010, looking at how they took over. Now I know there's a lot more to it than that, but that's my immediate counter is, of of course, of course, as, as, as did the players that were signed and as did the managers that were picked in their various different roles. But basically under his stewardship, he, he, and, and the rest of 2010 did an absolutely magnificent job. Now, that's to
5: now. me. That's a fact. Out. You know, that's a fact. I, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is, after five years in the Premier League, now the last two years, have we made, moved forward? No. Have bad decisions been made? Yes. So, do we want bad decisions to carry on? Uh, how how long will it be until fans stop saying, we will right, well, see Paris yet yeah, he made bad decision, but he saved the football club. Let's get statue of him out of the stadium." How long does this continue? I want the football club to succeed as, as much as anybody else. And I, and you know I respect him for what he's done, but it it comes down to to one thing: he's either being misadvised or he's making bad decisions on his own. Like how how much longer can it continue? De Boer, give the guy. a on, then sack him after uh, after um, Burnley's best performance of the season. Why not sack him after Swansea? You, give him think, two weeks with the squad.
2: Do you think the De Boer decision was just down to results?
5: I don't, but. But Paris was obviously speaking to players and the players paid a part in the decision. But do did the, did the players not need to take a long, hard look at themselves? Like Damien Delaney, like you brought at the point. He, he's palling Damien Delaney. What is he doing at the club? Is this, this is what it comes down to. You've got too many players who are nice guys. What are they offering to the club? Buggy Freeman, Mark Bright, Damien Delaney. They've you know, has been a great servant to the club. Why, he, why are you not giving a chance now? Hennessy's been awful.
2: Yeah, well, that's. I think that. Well, again, you can only look at the the series of managers that have c- continued to make that decision. Is I think you don't think you're going to find anyone on this panel who's not baffled by it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll give the other guys a chance to sort of answer you, answer your points as well. I think Jim, back yeah. round to you. Again. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Uh, um, yeah. Firstly, Spironi should be in goal, hundred uh, percent. That's an absolute no brainer. Um, although you know, questions have to be: Why is Wayne so good for Wales and so bad for Palace? I don't. That that's weird I don't know confidence thing I don't know um but going back to the the Paris thing uh, Shane just touched on something there which resonated me, with me which was the there's five years in the Premier League and sort of no sort of progress thing and I, th- I, th- I feel like that is the main thing that is frustrating us all at the moment because there are other clubs that have come up from the Premier League sustained and then looked to build and have and have moved away from being that team that gets dragged into the relegation zone so often and we wanted to do that you know we wanted to be the next southampton the next stoke and we haven't we keep getting dragged into the relegation battle and it feels like with the managerial decisions and some of the players and stuff that we sort of keep making the same mistakes and for me that's the bigger question why are we in this constant cycle where we we can't seem to get out of it no matter how much money we spend on players or no matter how much cladding we put on the main stand, <laughs> we seem to not necessarily be getting out of this. Although I will caveat that by saying it, maybe it's not as easy. Maybe it's not as straightforward to just consolidate in the Premier League and build. I mean, for a few years, we were all saying that Swansea were the team we wanted to emulate and they were the yeah. blueprint. And they're as bad as we are at the moment, if not worse. Yeah. They've been dragged into it. So it, it's not easy to do that. And uh, at the moment, as fans, we are witness to that. That it's yeah. not to,
5: and I, I just cut point? you in there and, and just say, to refer to Swansea, they brought in Renato Sanchez and Wilfred Boney. so yes, they might be in the same predicament, but they're they're bringing in players.
4: Well, they, I mean it's strikers, so obviously, obviously, they're ahead of us.
2: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help, does it? Well, no, they,
4: no, you, you make a good point, Shane. But
5: England, got in Renato Sanchez and Boney, which is great business, so.
2: I know, yeah, they did. They did a really good job in, a, in getting getting Klukas in as well. But listen, we made some we made some decent signings as well. I just think that there's there's there was much more to do with our squad than there was theirs. Uh, I think you also have to take the example of look at look at Everton. Now Everton will be all right, okay? They will, but they spent 150 million quid and they're they're struggling like hell. There are no guarantees in football that you're going to be able to spend money and do it right. Now, what I, what I would say further to what Jim's saying and, and what you brought up, Shane, about progress, because it's a really valid point, because that's what we want to see. Each year, we want to see us getting a little bit better, and that's what we did when we when 2010 took over. Every season we saw something extra happen, something new. Uh, you know, both on, on the pitch and off the pitch as well. We saw improvements. But we just we've hit a brick wall, but that happens to, to everyone. And like I say, making a bad decision doesn't necessarily mean that there was another better perfect decision. Now you can argue or you like you're never going to get me to, to 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 say the club haven't made a huge, huge mistake in not prioritizing a striker. But at the same time, I can understand the reasons that Steve Parrish gave. I just think that I just think that it, it doesn't really wash as an excuse. But in terms of making progress, as Jim said, it's such a difficult thing. Um, can I get Terence to jump jump in here as well? Because I gave one their their chance to say.
3: Yeah, Jim talks about there about getting frustrated by the not moving forward, and it's Steve Parrish has constantly said himself, if you're not moving forwards, you're st- if you're standing still, and that's what's frustrating because he's aware of that and he constantly lets us know he's aware of that but then to us as fans it looks like he's not heeding his own advice and do you know what's kidding me most out of all of it at the moment is that um, I can't remember which game, which game it was I watched a Brighton game and just seeing the togetherness of that squad and just being really nostalgic for how it was when we came up
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. the players were all together all there everyone pulling in the same direction for one thing which we just haven't seen for a couple of seasons in our squad now but watching Brighton in that mode where everyone's pointing the same direction and then of course the favorite, the favours that they have being a newly promoted side is that their wage bill isn't too high um, it won't be for this season so then they're constantly increasing their funds if they stay up and you get more money so I think for the three, first few seasons if you can survive the first season you can start to improve your squad and you're on a bit of a a role, but then when it comes to the end of the uh, third season, end of the fourth season, as we're finding out, all of a sudden, supposedly our wage bill is maxed out, and signing people have become, suddenly becomes very difficult, and we've ended up with a bunch of players stuck on long-term contracts, like your Jordan, muches, or but, your But
5: whose thought was that? that, that like, did, I, I agree hundred percent with the point you're making. But what we've got now is Alan Pardew squad, and mm. Alan Pardew was not sacked because he because he was type of parrot. So if we look at, look at the clubs that Alan Pardew managed before, like, you know, the, the reason he's been in the job since he got sacked by pallets is because no one wants him. He, he's left our squad in the dire state it is. And it comes to my point of that we were on the brink of something special on the Tony Pulis. Something didn't work you know the Couldn't work with Parrish or couldn't work with the board, he quit. Sam Allardyce, we backed him in the transfer window. He spent good money. He pulled an absolute miracle. We were, we were looking forward to, 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 uh, to this season not
2: work for Steve Paris, so he left. Question well no, no, I'm gonna asked... stop you I'm gonna stop you there, Shane, because you've made two statements yeah. about both Pulis and Allardyce, which Pulis we know we know why Pulis left. Pulis had another job to go to. You know, it's no coincidence he joined West Brom the day after the, the, the you know, the the payments would would have been due for West Brom to pay us to take him on after he left. And we also saw in Tony Pulis the fact he ended up in court over it and lost. So we know that Pulis Pulis walked because Pulis wanted a walk, you know. Similarly, Allardyce has been very, very open about why he left. And I think there's been a, a huge jump in Palace fans saying that both those people left because they wouldn't work with Parish. And I don't think that that's true. Uh, I just think it's an easy, it's a, it's a bit of a cop out. But you're right. You know, Pulis had us play in a certain way. Sam Allardyce will have another job in
5: trouble. We can sit here and say, Sarah uh, Ferguson... He's
2: retired from football. He's not going to have another job. Sam Allardyce will have another job in football. He uh, might, he, he might well do, but but no, he 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 left because a family member of his was killed in the Manchester Arena attack. That's that's why he left. He, you know, I'm not laughing because of that, but it's actually, you know, that's what he said. He hasn't taken another job. I think people love love to to believe in a conspiracy if it suits them, Shane. I really do. But look, bottom line is, with, um I, I, I'm going to ask you one question that you really wanted to, to um to give us an answer on i think last week um and that is i, I said okay you want steve parish out you said steve parish out that was those were your words Can, what, what would you like yeah. to see happen
5: what would i like what? to see happen so i would like um for crystal palace get in someone like a director of football or a chief executive that has no background connection to the club and that can come in and look at the club and look at the assets, look at the players, look at the coaching staff and offer their direction based on no background connection to the club what I, what I, can, I, can I flip that back to you guys and say why do you think Steve Parrish is so good?
2: Well I, um, I'll, let, I'll let Jim and Terence answer that first and I'll answer at the end so Jim if you want to take that first
4: um that's that's a loaded question. If <laughs> it is that. yeah, That's why I <laughs> went to you first. Okay, <laughs> like the from run the club? Um I I don't think running a club is straightforward and I think Steve has his good points and his bad points which we all would. And as I said before, I think being a fan, I don't know if that helps or not. I wonder if it if it does. Um I don't know. I mean I do. I do worry sometimes. And, you know, this isn't me saying, oh, this is why I love Paris or anything like that. But I do worry that when he leaves, and of course he will at some point, that we might look back and, and be like, oh, maybe we actually had it better than we thought. And sometimes as fans, like we need to find stuff um, to get frustrated about. And obviously, at the moment, there's a lot to, but. I don't know, I, I worry in a couple of years' time when we might look back and realise that, that these are kind of the glory days, in a way, and that, you know, yeah. these are kind of as good as it gets, and that's me being a, being a um, you know, a depressing that, Palace fan.
2: That is a magnificent politician's answer. Let's see how Terence does, <laughs> and then right. I'll come in. Well, I mean, oh, um, go on, go and
4: show. No, well, no, I was going to say, like,
3: obviously you talk about, talk about um, obviously, Pulis
5: leaving the club and having... You know, um, job lined up by West Brom. Look how far he's taken West Brom since then.
3: Yeah, I think... Um, I don't. Uh, it, it, well, okay, well, let's just point out, he is regularly getting booed off. They're, they're, they're not fans. The, the West Brom but, fans but, don't but, like but, him.
5: Look at their success, though. <laughs> you, you're telling me he met he that before, the first day of, of the season against Arsenal, because of some... Because uh, he, he, he can't get on with um, Parish. But, but this is what I'm saying, like, the only way the club can move forward now is if, uh, either parrot like get rid of Phil Alexander, get rid of Mark Wright, get get these people who are nice guys but don't actually offer anything to the club out. Get someone in who's independent who can come in, offer advice, um, you know, bring bring their attributes to to the club. Have no previous connection. We've got this thing, and I was on Talksport Monday and I spoke about it. We've got this thing that whenever times are hard, we always bring people in who have a connection with the club. And like it's meant to like magic up these points from, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even Roy Hodgson before he came, he was talking about being in the
3: stands in the seventies. <laughs> in the stands. In the- that's where he belongs. Yeah, but I think I think there's a there's um, a specific script. So I'm not going to speculate on what people do and don't do around the place. Um, and trust me, I certainly could speculate, especially about a certain person I like to call Teflon. Um, I, I I'm not necessarily sure. Going back to the previous points that. I'm a massive Steve Parish fan. I'm not sure where I am. Sometimes I'm slightly different sides of the fence. Um, I think he's made decisions and got decisions wrong around the club, but those it, those ones are not the ones that have bothered me so much about Parish. because in the main, across the periods of time he's been there, he's learned from his mistakes. I think he's... He's not doing that so much in the last year when we talk about, you know, m- missing a left back in the previous window uh, under Pardew and then missing a striker this time around. Just such glaring, stupid, seemingly scoreboard errors have been a bit can of I things that, that need to be. mistake?
5: There's only one
3: mistake that Steve Parrish has learned from. Steve Parrish has learned from loads of mistakes. You can't, no, he's no. constantly ever evolving as, as an owner. Because he, he's come into this cult in, in 2010, yeah. and then yeah. he's, he's gone on and he's produced a club that has maintained its place in the Premier League for five okay, years.
5: So only one mistake that he's learned from.
3: Okay, so the first transfer window when we came up and we decided to scattergun approach and sign every single player under the sun, when it came yeah. round to the January, it was a lot more focused in just saying, actually, these are the three key areas of the squad that we need to get Involved to get more players in for, and he learned from the mistakes there. Okay,
5: so Papa Soiree obviously had
3: an accident. We brought in Martin Kelly. Oh,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't got striker, so so he's learned from that, has he?
3: No, no, but that's not what Terry said. I I pointed out that the Pap Soiree and not covering Pap Soiree and not signing a striker, for sure, those are two areas that he's definitely slipped off the ball. And it also concerned me. Yeah, no, and and the other, and I'll line up, line you up another one that has concerned me. What concerned me was him saying that he took his eye off the ball when he appointed Frank de Boer, and that he got, he messed it up. I, I I don't like to hear that because at the end of the day, it's your one, that's your one job, your most important job of the summer was to appoint a manager, and then to say that you get it so wrong.
5: What is he doing, summer? What's he doing during the
3: summer? Uh, he's um he's singing karaoke in my part.
2: no <laughs> oh, I, I i'll be honest shane i really hate this i absolutely hate this and i've got to call it what it is it's bullshit well, no this is bull- it's bullshit shane when you start when you get people going oh i can't believe he's on holiday in the summer he should be doing this he should be doing that, this, this, that is, this is this is 20 fucking <laughs> what year but it you know is mean? i don't know what year it is i never know what year it is but listen i, I really want to take you back to your question shane before you go because i think it's an important yeah. one because i and it's the question that the, i you know, asked you a question you bounced it back you said why you you know why do you why do you i don't know what you said exactly was it why do you love paris so much or like like paris so much
5: no,
2: you no, know no. i didn't i didn't but you know i mean what, i'm sitting here from a perspective of i'm not saying that right i've, uh, I've, Mike, I've Mike, that Mike, was loaded but why do I believe that he could do the job? I suppose it was the question, right? And the re- and I will just point you back to to where I really started with this when we first when you were first on the call, which is I, I can you can only look at the job that someone has done, and you can only look at the at the club's history and say he has done a good job with Crystal Palace. right? he's done a fantastic job now you might be right okay you might be spot on that we've got to a point in in how we're operating where it's no longer good enough to have the people who've always been there in place you know maybe someone like phil Alexander. I, you know i've, I've met phil Alexander a few times I, you know and i've i like the guy i think uh, you know i can see why why people appoint him in the role that he's in but that's just that's just my opinion
5: what he's
2: a nice guy he's no, not he's precise, uh, because because you know he knows an awful lot about because uh, you, know, you, you know, if you read Simon Jordan's, you know, it's good to keep interrupting me, Shane. But about if you read Simon Jordan's book, where he talks about what he hated, but Phil Alexander was the fact that he used to go out and meet the executives of other clubs and kind of grease the wheels and try and be nice and try and play good with them. But you need to do that in football because it's a it's a very cutthroat world. You need someone who's out there prepared to you know to to essentially you know kiss the right asses and all that kind of stuff. You have got to do it you know but, but i understand people might not like him or might feel that he he represents a period of our club where there's been more failures and successes right so i get that okay so maybe we have reached a point where someone yeah. else to come in and do that job similarly we might have reached a point where the support network for steve parish shouldn't like you say be people who would just happen to have a palace connection now take dougie friedman as an example and i know on, on the panel we'll have a variety of views about this but you know that i, I know that that was a job that was people many people were interviewed for now
5: why did Dougie Freeman get it why did he get the job as director of football at Crystal Palace Football Club what did he have to offer that position that, that the other candidates didn't
2: well again I just I I I make, make the call on it but you know I, I would simply say that if we were going to talk about Dougie at Palace we would say certainly he's good he's able able to identify a good player to purchase right I think that's a fair point Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, he, so Parrish will have a degree of trust in him as a director of football who, you know, in terms of the contacts he has in the game, uh, in identifying players that will improve the squad because he proved he could do that for us in, in the period that he was here. So I would say that's that's one thing that counts in his favour. And I suppose the other thing that probably counts in his favour is he does, Parrish feels that he knows the club and he knows how Steve Parrish operates. And that will be of benefit, now, whether he's the right man or not. uh that remains to be so, seen, so,
5: doesn't so, it? So, yeah. I'll cut you in, in for what you just said, and that's that's what my issue is. He, you just said he, he can do very good for the club because he knows how Steve Parish operates.
1: Yeah, it's
5: not Steve, it's not Crystal Parish Football Club. It's Crystal Palace. So do you not know I admit mean? that? That's where my point comes down to. Sometimes it feels that he is running the club solely on his own, mm. and it, this well, is what's wrong. So, let's <laughs> look to the academy. Name, name me one what me one player that's come through the academy under c p f c
2: two thousand and ten. Well Solikai Kai. Kai.
5: Wilkie Wilk,
2: <laughs> yeah. Zaha.
5: Will Zaha, no, Wilk Zaha made maybe stay under some in March two thousand yeah, that, that was a fun, it was ten minutes
3: that was ten minutes yeah. of the sub no, I look I I no, I, I under I understand your point on this on the the youth academy. I'll get it and I think um I think there's been a shift in the last couple. There's been a shift in the last couple of years. I'm not. There's There's been a shift in the last couple of years, right? In in Premier League, I'll look not just Crystal Palace. There's when I think it is fair to say that when we came up, and the level of where our squad was versus where the level of our squad needed to be, it was a huge gap. And then I think playing youth team players in those first few years would have been suicidal. And now there's been a a general switch in all Premier League clubs to look into their own youth academies a little bit more, um, and you've seen that as a result, a lot of players are coming through, or they're investing in young young English players. So, if you look at Delhi Alli at Spurs, for example, you've got Everton are flooding through a load of youngsters and so on. So, I and Frank de Boer did give a debut to um, Levy Lemeca got a debut. You know, these are, there's been a general shift towards that, and I think we'll start to see us do that as well. Over the next next years, but I think to say that is a bit harsh because I think if we win the championship, when we was in the championship, they was talking about having eleven Coyden boys playing for the club, and I don't think, I don't doubt that that's something they would have aimed for because financially they would have had to aim for that because that would have been their bread and butter, making players come through the academy and then selling them on for big fees, Ala Wilfried Zaha. But one, as soon as we hit the Premier League, I think it's a bit harsh to judge them based on the academy.
2: Listen, yeah, so I've I've got to jump in there, Shane. We're going to let you go, mate. But can I just say? it's been brilliant having you on mate we've covered so much and I dare say next time we do this we'll get you on to continue this but if there's any little bit of can I just say uh... one thing yep.
5: can I just say one thing I really appreciate you lads um, obviously tweeting me and getting me on and I respect everything that you do and Fair Play for giving up your spare time for doing it.
2: Nah, cheers Shane well, no, It's appreciated right, mate And li- a little bit, of, little bit of glimmer of hope for you Keep your eye on the current Crop of under 16s At Palace Hearing uh, <laughs> eh? some very good things well, About yeah, them well, So mate
5: Well it's definitely mate. Like our Brighton are going to Pick him up and take him Down there
2: <laughs> oh, oh please don't <laughs> Come on mate
5: uh, yeah. well, <laughs> You to do that I think you do lads And do you know what I mean We all want the best thing For the club Indeed. And in my opinion The club without um, Steve Paris.
2: Well, there we go. Strong words from Shane. We've debated it. As, uh, I'm sure you'll have your views too. Cheers, Shane. Take care, mate. Speak to Thank you. Care, pal. Cheers, mate. Yep. Bye bye. Right, I believe we've got another corner, caller lined up very, very shortly, which I believe is Tony. So we'll get him on in just a moment. Strong views there, guys. Quick reaction while we're, while we're calling Tony. Jim.
4: Yeah, very strong views, um, which I think probably mirror a lot of Palace fans, to be fair to Shane. I think there's a lot of fans asking the same questions and feeling the same way. Um, And fair play to him for coming on and and telling us how he feels. I I do just... I I feel difficult criticising Steve Harris sometimes because I personally have never run a football club. And I can't imagine how difficult it is. It must be very difficult. And no one... There's no, like... Is there a school for running a football club? I don't know. No one ever comes to a football club having run one before, I'd imagine. it's Like Terence said, you come in cold, I'd imagine. So everyone sort of learns as they go. And, you know, he's definitely... Learned from mistakes, as Terence pointed out, with the transfer window and stuff. And like you said, Chris, we're in we're in our best period ever. You know, we're in uh, arguably our best ever era as a club. So it's I find it quite uncomfortable sometimes to almost be looking for things to moan about and things to criticise. But having said that, we are, as like you said, in this constant cycle of uh, being in the relegation zone and, and and not being able to get out of it. So something's obviously not right. Something's wrong. Um, but I don't know. I just I, I find I get uncomfortable
2: yeah.
4: because I, you know, if you put me in charge of Palace tomorrow, I'd, I'd make way more mistakes. I mean, we'd be <laughs> red in half an hour. Yeah, so. it's it's
2: the idea that there's. I, I try. I, it's, I find it really difficult to articulate it. It's the idea that there's because there's a wrong answer, there's automatically a right answer. You know, what I mean, Steve Parish could have twenty different ways of making a decision, and they could all turn out wrong for a we know. So then, uh, anyway, I think very, we've got.
4: As Karen said, yeah. he did, he Steve obviously of, uh, um, attracts criticism because he asks us to. He asks us to be critical, and he says to us, you know, uh, when I when which, if Frank fails, I fail, and we should be doing better than this, and blah blah blah. So he he knows that we'll be talking about it, answering these questions and stuff because he he invites us to be critical and constructively critical. But you know, the guy cares. He's a fan like we are.
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges honesty is key in any relationship if your friend asks you how you are feeling tell them honestly if you're going through a difficult time let them know Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference after all they are your mates for a reason let's all take a moment to talk more than football it's the 90th
2: minute all your mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
4: He cares. He was at the march yesterday, put five grand towards the, the foundation at the end and bought the beers and stuff. So he definitely cares, but is being a fan is caring so much? Is that the reason then that? people feel so
2: comfortable having a pop oh there we go there we go it's a good question uh tony you there mate evening gents good evening uh well we've had an eventful one so far so <laughs> let's see yeah, if you've got, uh, got something for us what, what you got for us mate
6: well i've had a bit of an odd time of it this season so far i've only managed to attend the huddersfield game due to various commitments and that so i'm sort of taking a view sort of a a stand back view, if you like, from it. And I've been trying to rack my brain as to think, how do we get out of this? And I've looked, you know, stat, you know, I like my stats, Chris. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very difficult situation we have ourselves in. Um, I mean, we have to, I think if we lose to Chelsea, we have to win 40% of our games between now and the end of the season to stay up, get to 36 points. Um, which is a, a tall order when um, all of the Sky reports say that Roy Hodgson's win percentage is about 30 to 35%. So That already makes it difficult. Um, but a couple of things I found out as well is that we actually lost 21 games last year. Um, we're quite early in the season. Uh, we're missing a lot of first-team players. Um, and we've played probably two of the teams that are definitely going to be vying for top spot and then potentially the next one in chelsea are coming up as well but we've played both the manchester clubs away and liverpool away as well so there's still hope uh, and i think that's what i just want to get out i mean listening to uh, shane's call about you know how bad you know steve Parrish has been doing things and phil alexander and this and uh, you know it echoes what a lot of friends of mine and people i talk to say as well that you know what's going on and i just think Time is time is of the essence. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that or not.
2: Um, well, uh, Terry, do you want to jump in first? Um, hmm,
3: time is of the essence. I, I think we haven't had the opportunity to play our best eleven this season yet. I'm not even sure that we know what our best eleven is yet. <laughs> um, I think if we go to about forty percent of games, I think we can go ten wins, ten draws, ten losses. We'll get you forty points. So. I think that's more than doable in the 30 games. But I think it comes down to how how we perform once we have our best players back in your Wilfrid Zaha's and your Christian Benteke's and we're not playing against um, horrendous opposition like going Manchester, both Manchester clubs in consecutive weekends. And Shane touched on it before, I think Newcastle is going to be one of the biggest games that we've ever had since we've returned to the Premier League. And, um I think there is a slight problem that we do seem to say that like at least every season and a half that this game's huge. <laughs> but um, yeah, if, if if we go to Newcastle and we get beat 2-0, it's, <sighs> I, I mean, then we're going to really see the meltdown of fans. We haven't seen anything yet because there's no point us losing 5-0 to Man City and then 4-0 to United and going getting stressed out about it at this point. As soon as we'd lost that game to Swansea or to Southampton even, you just, have to let the next, you just have to let the next three games go. You know how it's going to go. You don't expect to win any of those games. So uh, the meltdown, the mini meltdowns that have occurred after those games are nothing compared to what it'd be if we go up to Newcastle and lose 2 nil. However, we go up to Newcastle and we nick a 1-0 win. We beat Bristol City in the midweek in the Cup and then we pick up a point or beat West Ham at home the following weekend. All of a sudden, our uh, season's kick-started. There's going to be belief there. We're going to get momentum at the right time. But... I think it's going to be very, very key to um, base around that Newcastle game because, as I say, if we lose, it could be very, very bad.
6: Um, I agree with you there. I definitely agree. I think I think the key thing about the meltdown with managers and that as well is Frank De Boer was an experiment and unfortunately the experiment didn't work. I mean, he might have been the right guy maybe a couple of seasons down the line, but we had all that damage done by um, at the end of Alan Pardew's tenure and brought in allardyce and allardyce built the confidence back up there's been so much talk about confidence and you know lack of confidence etc allardyce got the confidence back but it's fragile and i think the problem is bringing in someone like frank the changed the system so dramatically it, it it made the players uncomfortable I, ironically i actually think a lot of people disagree with the hodgson um appointment i actually think it's potentially the right appointment because it's a similar to an allardyce mold I actually think an Allardyce mould is what we needed at the beginning of this season to consolidate what Sam Allardyce had done last season and have a season of just confidence um, and and an organised structure rather than trying something new. And then a Frank de Boer is someone you bring in maybe after a season or two of consolidating it. Essentially,
2: yeah. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll be honest, Tony. I'm not sure that the the, the ball's ever. Going to be a manager suited to the Premier League unless he gets, you know, given a, a squad that's ready to play exactly how he wants to play straight away. And it's interesting you two you talk about Aladai. So I'm going to bring something up that, that me and Terence were talking about uh, during the week.
3: I'm, I that, think uh, I might hang up now <laughs>
2: <laughs> because. Um, both both terrence and i were very vocal about our our opposition to the appointment of of allardyce and it wasn't it was well there was a variety of reasons for it but let's call the the footballing reasons were there as well weren't they terrence and it was that we felt it was short-termism that he was never going to be around for the long term he was there to sort of patch things up but he's not a manager who builds a legacy and we would suffer um the moment he left and we're kind of feeling quite vindicated by that but not happy about it but I think that whoever came in for Allardyce, as you say, you, you kind of want Allardyce to be replaced by someone who is effectively Allardyce. Otherwise, what do you do? You know, and I think the boys suffered from that as well. But, you know, you, you, you've you spoke about Hodgson there. You, you think he might well be the right appointment. Jim, what do you think about it?
4: Um, I mean, I like Roy. I mean, he's, he's when you're in a room with him, he's, he's tough not to like. He's a very amiable old chap and shakes everyone's hand and, Says hello, how you doing? And thank you, even to me, even though he's literally never met me before, and he has no reason to thank me. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I definitely agree with Tony on a lot of points here. Um, in that Roy is is similar to to Sam. Um, I, 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 we we all wanted Sam to stay, didn't we? Like it just felt right for the next, like Tony said, for the next season for a bit of consolidation. And I just think we've been a bit unlucky with. Sam leaving for personal reasons and and Pulis walking out on the club and, you know, Suarez's car accident. There's been a lot of bad luck that we've had over the last, whatever, 18 months, two years. And even in the last couple of months, like it's. I feel like we've had a season's worth of bad luck all happening at the same time. And I try and remain positive, I try and be a positive person and think that things will even out. Um, And in a way, I think... I think Roy probably is the right person. The problem is, like Terence says, the Newcastle game is going to be so big that you wonder, I think we can pull it back still, but you just don't want to be too far, too far gone. And is Roy the right person to, to build up the confidence in the players? We know that he likes to sort of run them hard on the training ground and he's a bit old school. And there were elements of that in Sam and that really worked. But Sam was so good at getting the players' confidence back. That it took us from just being good enough to stay up to taking us, you know, our form was like top six form or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I
2: yeah,
4: it really was. So is is Roy the guy for that? You know, I don't really know. West Brom and Fulham fans talk massively of him, you know, and he got the best out of similar sort of squads there. So hopefully, I do remain positive. But Terence is absolutely spot on about that Newcastle game. That it's so big, and and I I get nervous about going to, to St James's Park. I feel like I never really get anything there, yeah. but.
6: Can I try and with something quick just based on what you just said there, Tim? Yeah. Um, it's, can you imagine being Bournemouth, Swansea or Leicester who are on four points, five points and five points and thinking, wait a second, Palace have lost seven games, they haven't scored a goal and they're still only two wins behind us.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So we're not that far off, are we? And, and I think it, it sounds a cliche, but we all kind of think that, you know, once that first goal comes, confidence be breathes back into the team. I believe once the first goal comes, I think a couple more will come in the same game, hopefully. I mean we might lose four, four three, you know, but hopefully, <laughs> still hopefully get a few goals. And things are salvageable. And and again it comes out what we we're saying in the first point that we seem to go around in these circles of, you know, get getting dragged into it and pulling ourselves out of it. But we've salvaged ourselves from from worse situations, certainly under Holloway. So it is doable and you're absolutely right. Those those teams will be wondering why we're not dead and buried already. You know, I know some pundits are saying we are like Paul Merson and people like that, but it is salvageable. You, you, it's just, you don't want to run out of time. You just, it's just uh, the same
6: Paul Merson who thought we'd be in Europe last year.
4: Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I stopped listening to him a long time ago.
2: <laughs> uh, Tony, uh, just, just another question for you, though, mate, right? So, yeah. how does you've, you mentioned you've only been to the, to the one game. I mean, obviously, you're listening to your mates who are going to, to more of the matches. Do you feel it's uh, sort of helped you? Is it easier not going? <laughs> or uh, you just got the same <laughs> amount of angst? Because, you, you know, you're a bit more positive. You're saying the time's running out, but, you know, you seem to still be uh, in the camp that thinks we might we might well get out of this.
6: Uh, I always try and stay positive. I think, I think you've got to. I think if you always take the negative with Palace, you'd end up being very, very <laughs> depressed. The quote Jim, as he always puts on his podcast, is typical Palace just, isn't it? You get used to it. Yeah. Um, I wrote something a while back. Um, actually, writing, um, I think it was the end of season review I did, and it was uh, life is a roller coaster, and it is. Everyone always talks about Palace being a roller coaster. You have to take the highs with the lows. I mean, um, I think every season always had one massive from a game. I mean, um, the Arsenal game last year was just one of my favourite games. I think, um, and before that, obviously you had Chris Ball as well. There's always we've got these high moments in us, but you also get the massive lows as well. We never. We've never been a team that just stay in the middle and, and do that. But to, to answer your question, you're right. I think, I think actually not being at the ground and having that atmosphere that, you know, my friend who I sit with said it's, it's been quite toxic at times and not having that affect me and just having a very outside look. Uh, it's sometimes frustrating because I still want to go. I mean, it's just unfortunately various commitments have got in my way. I, I'm intending to be at Chelsea. Um, I've got my season ticket. It's annoying. I've paid money and I've missed like, what three games i think it is so yeah, um it's been frustrating <laughs> but yeah exactly i think i've actually missed much i mean certainly uh from uh, when i text my mate about the uh, swansea game and said was it was it as bad as the result said and he said don't even talk to me
2: yeah it's been like it has been like that this season tony anything else before you go mate
5: well
6: no i think i think i think i've said a lot of what i've taken up a look at the guy's time as well i mean I know that um to, to make a joke that formerly myself and um the uh, former Mr. White used to make, I wonder if uh, Glenn Murray could help us. Uh, his, um... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, get,
2: I still get trolled you every week striker. <laughs> every every week, Max Underwood on Twitter just tweets me about should have should still have Murray and Gail. He just does it. he knows it annoys me, so he just does it every damn week you can't at the in the Premier League even with Newcastle <laughs> oh, yeah I know <laughs> and as Terence says they probably walk in there now because we haven't got any strikers but yeah <laughs> no look, it is it, it is what it is anyway Tony great to hear from you mate hope things are no, no, wait, awesome. cheers nice to meet to you guys you, mate. Yeah, nice well, thanks, to well, thanks to Tony we've got to another caller coming very very shortly if you do want to give us a call remember it is a number <laughs> 0208 0208 <laughs> 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 one uh one two three sixty six ninety nine. mobile oh. messaging service oh, look. look at that check that out so it is oh two 0, 8, one two three sixty six ninety nine. if you want to get in touch uh, guys while we we're trying to work out why ben's phone is engaged <laughs> i did i did want to bring something up about uh it's a bit cheeky really about something that happened on the the preview podcast uh, terence with relate with relation to some comments made about uh, some of the guy's opinions on ducky friedman on five-year Plan show i don't know if you guys want to talk about that <laughs> that's
3: another uh, loaded
4: question <laughs> yeah,
3: that, that's a very loaded question almost as loaded as the dm i got from kevin day no um, <laughs> no there was like i said I'd, there were my comments I don't, I don't think um there was they never skirted personal or anything like that i just thought that um Dougie Freeman just deserves a little bit more respect, and I'm um, as a ke- Kevin specifically clearly doesn't like Dougie Freeman at all. And we're just coming from completely different, opposite sides of the fence, and um, I just you know, it's, I think it's good that we're all we're all Palace fans, we're talking about it, and um, I just wanted to counter it, show 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 JD and his team that I do listen
2: to your podcast. <laughs> Uh, JD you thought I uh, think Terrence was completely out of order right scumbag
4: yeah. I'm hanging up right now <laughs> no, it, it, I mean you know we're, we're all passionate fans aren't we and we'll have our opinions and, and and Terrence had his opinion and said it passionately and Kevin says his opinion passionately on every week on the pod and that that's why people listen to these podcasts they want to hear passion they want to hear opinion I think if we all agreed with each other and just went along and towed the line I don't think anyone would tune in so I do understand, and especially at the moment, it's we're all getting angry, aren't we? We're all getting frustrated, we're getting angry because you know, Palace are frustrating us and there's various issues that we talked about tonight that seem to be the same ones over and over again. So I do get it. I mean, the Friedman thing as well, you know, he meant, he meant and he means a lot of things to a lot of fans. You know, and, and growing up, he was one of my favourite players as well. And, you know, I'm at the age where Friedman was just so important to our club and off the pitch as well, the start of that run in, in 2012, obviously leaving to Bolton, but in a way set us up for the Premier League. So he's a big, big part of our history and you know now he's back in another in capacity. So when you get people like that, you become emotionally connected and whether, even whether you like them or dislike them, you're still emotionally connected in that way and it, and it comes from an emotion. An emotion is something we can't control and that's why we say things um, with passion and with anger sometimes. So, you know, I, I understand. I mean, Kevin, bear in mind, doesn't even listen to our own pod. So <laughs> <laughs> doesn't on the BBS, you know, so <laughs> it's, he He says his thing. He knows he's passionate. He knows he's opinionated, but he will never change. And that's why I absolutely adore him uh, and love doing the pod with him. And that's just, this is football. This is what we do. Yeah. So, uh, to sum up, yes, I hate Terence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all
2: hate Terence. But... But, but anyway, but I think we on it for now, but, but...
3: No, we haven't. We he haven't is. got Ben. Let me let me let me just go With with Friedman, for me, it's always that basically since Stockport, um, he could swan into my house and like try and climb into bed with my wife, and I'll probably forgive him. So um.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Stockport was amazing. I was at Stockport, and it was just, I mean, that was incredible. Yeah. I, remember, I remember running on the pitch, and I I grabbed some grass from where i thought the spot that he scored from roughly and i've that was in my, my drawer at home in my bedroom for about 6 months my mum discovered it and was like what the hell is this and i had to explain that it was just grass from a pitch the <laughs> way that was worse trying to explain why i had that in my drawer so that was a, you know that was a huge moment for me as a, as a fan you know in in my i was what, 18 17 at the time maybe younger
3: so I tell you, what was it was quite phenomenal, and this is just going a little bit off piece. But if you think that a few seasons later, Stockport uh, dangered promotion to the Premier League, getting close to the playoffs, and look at them now, unbelievable, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, crazy. Yeah, uh, well, there you go. It's, it just shows you is football is is difficult, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. You know, it seems like I remember Luton sort of pushing for the playoffs in uh, Plymouth as well in, uh, in recent years, trying to, you know, ne- nearly making it to the Premier League. Rims, Rimsby. Rimsby, yes. It's crazy. Barnsley were in the Premier League for us. Swindon, of course. It's, you think about it, it's just it's so, so tough. And, you know, well, we are... Always,
4: Kevin says a thing on the pod that he says, when well, he repeats himself a lot on the pod. But he, he always says this thing, which is like, at some point, we will go down. At some point, we're going to go down again. You know, it might be this season, it might be in five years, it might be in 20 years. Like, we we will go down at some point, because apart from the top six, everyone pretty much goes down. Yeah. Um, so we just need to enjoy it while we're here. You know, we just need to make the most of it, because we're, we're never going to be a top six club unless we unless we get caught up by some oligarch or something. So we just need to enjoy the ride while we're here, and when we go down and we end up at Grimsby away again, we can look back on these times and you know,
2: remember when we were half season. That's it, so, and I'm about all those Premier League fans who don't know what it's like to be in proper football. Exactly ben! Exactly. <laughs> ben, sorry, mate, you're there. How you doing? Yes, I am. <laughs> right, go on, straight in, mate. What you got for us? Oh,
5: uh,
0: well, where do Russia. I begin? Um, I've gone through, really, it's... All I can think of is just really questions and slight comments because I can't really think of anything that's, like, necessary answers or sorting out of what this club is. Um, the one... That stick out for me that have gone through, mainly they're like questions about the future of the club. What do we have to do to learn from our mistakes to not get relegated? Because so, I'm presuming that we, we don't want to be a club that goes in a relegation battle every season. We do want to be fully fully established. I think that Hodson, either way, whether we stay down or we uh, sorry stay up or go down. Excuse me, I think he'll leave at the end. I think that he'll say, "I've ended my career on a high at my boyhood club, and now it's time for me to go. I don't think that he'll have the confidence or the backing up to rebuild the club, let's say, and get back, um, get us back into the Premier League. Um, and we always talk about our club being a roller coaster, which is, of course, quite correct. But when does that roller coaster stop? Does it have to be forever? Um, and we've talked a lot about why did it go wrong for the club in the first place? Where do you have to look back to? Um, And I think it was pointed out earlier, Pardew was the, I think you could say, one of the primary key sources into why we are in the state now, because um, as harsh as it may have been, I think Solarko spoke the truth on Twitter a couple of weeks ago when he said that most of the players are championship level, It's what we all think and what some of the times we do say, whether it's Jordan Much or Chung Yong Lee or even, unfortunately, Joe Ward or Jason Punchin, They have done good services for the club, yes, guarantee it. But from what I've seen, it can't last forever and sometimes you have to pull a stop and you need a change. Um, There may be more I can say, maybe something key I'm missing out, but I don't know whether that give you any help or relevance to my um, view on the club at this present time
2: Hello? sorry sorry, ben i was uh, fantastically on mute there uh, so <laughs> it's just a pro i'm Talk, talking to yourself is nothing new. i was yeah but um, <laughs> exactly right there's you know obviously there's a few a few things that you've, you've said there um you know i think i think obviously roy you're right isn't isn't a long-term appointment but i suppose that the the question I wanted to pick out that you asked is, you know, how how do we change? What is the answer? And obviously that's the thing that Steve Parrish has been trying to put together. That's the thing that, you know, Shane, our earlier caller, thinks that he's got horribly wrong and, and needs to get someone else in. So I guess that's the question to answer. Personally, I, I think, I just think no matter what, who was in charge this season, no matter what happened this season, I think we have, I don't want to say too big a job to, 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 to sort of renew the squad, if you like. I just think we've given ourselves a hell of a lot to do with, with just how some of the players you mentioned, people like Joel Ward and Jason Punchin And, you know, we go back to, to Delaney as well. who has been a great servant for the club. And um, and these are players who, in my view, have, have played beyond the level that they probably were we ever thought that they'd be at certainly someone like damien delaney you you speak to anyone who if before we joined palace really you know ipswich or go back to probably even his leicester days or something like that if they said that he'd be a premier league center back you know for for four or five years at that stage of his career that's that's way beyond him so we've we've through team spirit hard work you know good coaching we've had so many players playing at the top of their game or even perhaps beyond but that can't go on forever oh, yeah. you know you lose players either the best players go to to other clubs or you know and or, or they eventually their powers start to decline as they age or you know or whatever they lose a bit of form and it's how do you deal with that and we've just had a lot a lot of lot to do and where we've gone out and made mistakes in the transfer window like everyone does i think they're probably killing us a bit now because if jordan much was a 5 million pound midfielder you know what i mean we'd We'd would be we'd be, be alright, would we? <laughs> you know, um, so that sorry, that's sorry. where I am with it. Um, so yeah. I I, th- I don't yeah. think there's an easy answer to the, to it is what I'm getting at, and I think really yeah no
5: it's fine
2: no yeah, yeah matter we did. But okay. go on, no, Ter- yeah,
5: Ter- yeah. Ter- yeah.
2: Sorry, sorry. I was going to give the other guys a chance to answer the question as well. Yeah, go ahead. I
0: mean, sorry. Yeah, go what, is the, yeah,
2: go what is that, the what is the the best thing we could do for the future? I'll start with you, Terrence, and then get 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 Jim in.
3: Well, two two things. I think firstly. I think Steve Parrish and whether how much the Americans are involved in this as well, they need to decide what they want and commit to what they want. It would appear in the summer that they decided that they wanted someone like Frank DeBoer to try and move the club into a different direction. And then they're blinked after four games. And for whatever reason that was, that's not sticking to your laurels. That's not making a decision and sticking by it. And now we've moved back again to where we are. So we've gone, now we're trying to consolidate Before that, we tried to expand. Before that, we were trying to consolidate. Before that, under Pardew, we were trying to expand. Before that, you know, it it just goes up and down and up and down and up and down. They need to make a decision and live by it or die by it, which they haven't done yet. Because, you know, of course, it's a difficult division to get out of, but we could get relegated. And with the squad of players we have, keep most of it together, quite easily come back up. So you could stick... If you want to make a longer-term plan, I think that's the way that we're going to learn from our mistakes to just have a direction to go after, which I just don't think we've had any direction to go after after anything beyond six months or seven months, which is, again, the situation we find ourselves in now with Roy Hodgson. Um, You know, I'm still convinced we're going to be the first Premier League team to have a manager die during the season. I'm really sorry, Roy. I don't don't mean it. Well, but. But it, you know that's the way out, The way our luck goes, it wouldn't surprise me at the moment. But um, and another thing, I think we just need a little bit of luck as well thrown in there. And this short-termism comes back and kills us. If you if you go back to the Pap Suave car car crash, that has meant that we've gone and spent thirty million in the transfer window on two players, albeit a couple of transfer windows too late. But our short-term manager, who was only interested in keeping us up that year. Because there, no, there was nothing else in... Uh, there was no... Allardyce never talked about doing anything beyond the end of that season. Obviously, he couldn't foresee the reasons that he left at the end of that season. But there's a good chance he would have done it anyway or stayed for another season. So his entire aim was to keep us in the Premier League for that half a season, albeit the season after. So uh, Jeffrey Schlapp and Patrick van Arnholt, Less so Schlapp, more so. Patrick van Arnholt is terrible. I cannot... I cannot overemphasize how much I mean that he is terrible. I made the the mistake of player watching him at Old Trafford on the weekend. And Damien Delaney had to talk him through that entire game. He was five yards behind the defensive line the entire time. And Lukaku just kept looking across at him and stepping a few steps backwards, right in between the middle of our centre-backs. So he didn't then know where he was because Patrick van Arnholt doesn't know the offside rule at 24 years old. And a 15 million transfer fee. And it's, it, it's, it's terrible. So I think we need to pick a direction that we want to go in and stick with it. And we need to get a little bit lucky with things like our players not getting into car crashes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good answer. Uh, Jim, your answer before we go back to them?
4: Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like with Pat Van Arnholt um, and with Schlupp, and in a way, Soiree. I feel like they're all like left wingers who have been told yeah. they to play left back. Like they, they're all they all seem quite good going forward, and they have got the attributes to do that. And they all seem to sort of struggle at left back. But it's like they're being told to play there, and and so they're sort of you know square peg and round hole. So that's that's weird. You know, that we've got three players there who basically can't play in their position. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is also very Palace when you think about it. Um, I going back to Hodgson quickly. Um, I I don't think. It, like, I get the short-termism thing and I mean short-termism in itself is a whole other argument like you know is, is it actually the way forward these days you know our are, are club's actually going from manager to manager and actually doing okay you know we criticize Watford for it and they seem to be doing okay this season albeit with the guy that we, we wanted in the summer um, and maybe you know is is long-termism actually a thing of the past you know with the way the the, the modern game is and the demands. And I've never heard the phrase "results-based business" so much as I have done in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, that, that maybe with the demands of the money that comes in and 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 the necessity to stay in the Premier League, that actually maybe short-termism is the way forward. But I, from the first, no, so time- can I can I just clarify? I don't mean short-termism in terms of like
3: specifically picking a man. I mean a, in a direction of how you want to play. Because oh, yeah, I I, I, I completely agree. Like because you you get if you look at Pardew when he came in the first year he came in he was outstanding. He's obviously come in and he's passionate and he's got new ideas and he's trying to impress everyone. He wants to do everything right. But anybody in any job they work in that, that goes away after a little bit of a time. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing cycling your managers every couple of years, but I just think hire managers that are going to do things with the squad that you have, not managers that want to come in every two years and change
4: it. I I totally agree with your point about um, it's, it's sort of knowing who you are, isn't it? In a way, we need to know who we are as a club. And, and we've always succeeded in playing a sort of certain way, going back to the team of the, the early 90s, um, which is this counter-attacking, hustle and bustle, get it down the wings kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong in in knowing who you are. And you can you can progress in areas like that and get better players in and stuff. But I don't know. I feel like we just need to be happy with who we are and embrace that. And I don't think there's anything, anything wrong in that. But just on Hodgson, from his first few... Press conferences, if you watch them, he the guy like he loves football, he's like obsessed with football, even at the age of 70. And I, I, I generally don't think he will leave at the end of the season, even if we go down. I think he will stay around for for a bit. I think he's one of these guys that you know he, he, he is of retirement age, or maybe not. Is it 75 these days? I can't remember. Um, people still need to do something when you retire, and I feel like Roy still needs to do football and he's just he's just obsessed with it. So, I don't think he will go at the end of the season um unless of course it's something disastrous happens not the disastrous thing that terence was alluding to i mean <laughs> it's not, not on the pitch um he, he is very he's very passionate you know I, I've, that's the impression i've got from him um and i personally hope he is here for a bit because well assuming we do okay because he is palace and and it'd just be nice to have someone here for longer than five minutes
2: yeah, and it'd be nice as well for for someone who is one of the, you know, the, the gents in the game to actually have, you know, towards the end of his career, have something, you know, have a, a success at his boy of club as well. Yeah, I think he, he,
4: so, you, he, he's he got a point to prove as well, you know, after yeah. the whole England thing was so bad, um, I feel like he needs to prove himself um, to, to a lot of people in the game, you know, people that work, the journalists and stuff that, that followed him for for four years at England. So he he has a point to prove, definitely, and that's why I think he will stick around for a bit even if we do go down, which, you know, God forbid we don't, because I think his reputation took such a battering that he almost needs to kind of rebuild it a bit, even if he is 70.
2: Right, Ben, well, you've heard what we we think about the future and what we need to do. What's what's your views?
0: I think they're pretty fair points. Um, My opinion on Roy, um, I actually, when he got appointed, I actually felt fairly optimistic or quite pleased, more better than what I, you know, would would have felt. He, Seeing him come in looks so, as you, as you said about how much he loves football, seeing him come into a club that he loves and adores, speak about the Homesdale end. And it's it's a great optimistic feeling to see that in someone when they've found a job that they believe suits them from the first second of signing that contract. I, obviously, I would love it if he, you know, kept us up. I know it's pretty basic or simple of me for everyone to say that. But if he did... In a great manner, say like that he—I um, don't know—got us like some memorable victories against one of the top clubs, and then not just say like just kept us up on the last day. You know, he took us up into mid-table, whether it's you know similar to last season, and we may be thinking, oh, actually, you know, maybe you could stick around for a bit more. You know, just keep that establishment up. And again, I I, I still stand by that. I think that he he will go, but. I can't be 100% sure on that. I can't say that's definitely going to happen for sure. It might not. It may or may not. I think, I think there's nothing pretty much else for me to say on that. I think that's all yeah. fair points, and I, I respect them uh, deeply. Um, what I do want to point up is what we, we kind of briefly did say about, okay, how do we learn from mistakes, is what can we do now? Uh, sorry, between now and January, because we can't leave it too long. Otherwise, there's not going to be enough points to catch up on and you know by half by the half end you're completely down so we've got to do something between because between now and January in order to before we start getting players in
2: well yeah um,
0: and I think I think dare I say I think unfortunately sometimes luck has to be a part of uh, is is a part of it um I don't like using the word particularly in football but I think that most of the time that is what we're going to have we're going to need um
2: I, th- I think that's, that's to, uh, just sort of to, to jump in an answer, really. I, th- I think what what's happening now, obviously, there is a, a director of football in place, a sporting director, I think, the actual title is. So, obviously, the club yeah, are yeah. working on, on, on the players that they need to improve the squad. They don't need to wait until January to find out which areas need improving. Obviously, they can do that right away, start putting the plans in place. But you almost, you're kind of touching on the fact that we need two plans. So, we, we need a plan if we've got a proper chance of staying up when we hit January. Cause obviously We can't do anything until then. All we can do is play no, the no. games we've got with the players that we've got. And, you know, and obviously, Wilf coming back will help that hugely. Hopefully, getting Christian Benteke fit towards the end of uh, sort of next month, something like that, that might help as well. But realistically, it's, you know, I don't want to call it a one-man team, but Wilf makes such a difference to our to our team. And I think we'll see that when he come, if he comes back yes. fit, right? yeah, yeah but you have to oh, have but, but, if, yeah. but if we get to if we get to the you know the first of january and we still got no goals and no points then there's no there's not really a gamble to have is there you're not going to be able to throw a hundred million quid at it uh, you know say wave no. goodbye to to financial fair play or whatever and just do just do it anyway and accept the consequences because again it offers you no guarantees and you end up getting relegated with a huge wage bill you know issues over ffp and a load of players that you have to release some relegation clauses or whatever and it's i don't know you, you end up in a big mess so i pretty much think what the answer to your question is you have two sets of targets but what we've really got to hope is that we pick up a decent number of points before then uh, views on that gents i haven't said which one so you're gonna sit there in silence <laughs> i'll
4: go good, good um, yeah um <laughs> I mean, of course there's luck in football, isn't there? I mean, there's such thin margins, and that's another, another cliche for me, um, that that's going to happen, and I do think we have we have had bad luck, but I don't know. In terms of what we can actually do, I mean, the players will be out there, and the, you know what footballers like. They're very focused. They like to know one or two things that they have to do, and so you know, Roy will give them one or two tasks out on the training ground, down on the pitch. So, and they, and they will literally, and again, it's another cliche, be taking it one game at a time. So they won't be looking far, far ahead. And they will go into games believing they can win games, even if it is Man City away and Man uh, United and stuff. So, you know, they, they will be doing everything that's in like the footballer's handbook or, or what they're used to to be doing. So they won't do anything different. All I would say is come January, and, and like Chris says, I hope we're not, if we're still on no points and no goals in January, then we are witnessing some serious history being made at Palace right now. Um, but I would say pay pay agent fees because we've heard so many times, haven't we, that deals haven't gone through because we haven't paid agent fees and Niass from Everton was one of them this summer. Tim Cahill. In Premier League, I'm sure it's not that much more money. Just, just do it. You know, Just bite the bullet, especially if it's the last minute of the transfer window. Just, just, just do it because at least then you get bodies in, even if they're not the best bodies. And I, I know agents have clubs over a barrel sometimes, especially when the, the clock is ticking down. But oh, I can't, it can't be that much in the grand scheme of things compared to what clubs earn, can it? So just, just pay it.
2: Yeah, I suppose you don't like being held to ransom, them, you know, having the the piss taken out of you. But if that's the game, that's the game, isn't it?
4: Yeah, exactly.
3: cool uh, Terrence? Um, I just Tim Tim Cahill, right? I'm just, have we, have we signed him yet? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <He has> to...
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I i do not know, i It's all, it's all relative, isn't it? In, into until January, we don't know what position we're going to be in and what we have to go after. Um, I think it's just key now we get everyone back fit and firing. I'd, again, I don't. Does it feel like we have a lot of injuries compared to other clubs? It does to me. I don't know what's going on with the medical staff. I mean, we got rid of Manos, right, a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago now, and other people have come in and things have not seemed to get much better. I don't know. Um, so may, maybe look in that field to be able to keep the proper players that we have got fit.
2: Yeah, yeah and that's, that's it's a big ask. But, you know, again, that's, and I suppose that's where luck comes in, as Ben was saying. Ben, thank you so much for your call, mate. Hope it's uh, been entertaining for you. No, I loved it. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. Cheers, mate. Look after yourself. Speak to you soon.
0: Thank okay. you. You too. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Bye
2: all right i think we're probably going to call it
1: quits
2: (laughs) quick call before we uh well see that noise that was interesting (laughs) quick call before we end the show but uh but not really so let's just have a a quick chat amongst ourselves really so first of all obviously you know a lot a lot of topics to uh that we've, we've given our views on there gents but really just sort of a quick nod towards one of the other reasons we're doing this and you know Jim, you and I were speaking sort of during the week the other week where, you know, both both podcasts had sort of taken a bit of flack from people in their frustration and all that kind of stuff. And we just kind of, I think this was born out of not only the, the fact that, that the fans wanted to do a in, but was also born out of the fact that, you know, there's, we just wanted to show that actually, you know, there isn't there isn't actually a rivalry or any dislike there. You know, we're two people doing a, a similar show, but we actually got very different things that we talk about and very different opinions. But, you know, we like each other and there's no reason we can't actually come together and do something other than the Terrence hatred. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly that. I mean, we all do this out of our spare time, don't we? And our pod takes a lot of organizing each week and, uh, I to travel down to Norbury to do it in Kevin's living room each week. Cause he, won't wouldn't be on it otherwise
2: um,
4: <laughs> it takes it takes a lot of effort but we all do it because we love talking about palace and we love the club and we're just two podcasts you know from the same side of the coin or the other side of the coin whatever the whatever the phrase was we, that you, we're, we're, we're afraid, we. afraid of was
1: so
2: two sides of the same coin that's the one that's
4: yes. the one that's the one um and i have to admit tonight it's been really nice and and the respect from the callers has been has been great. Um, you know, everyone's being very respectful about each other's points and stuff. And that, that's kind of how football should be. Of course, we all have different opinions and we all come at things from a different angle. But that's the beauty of football. You know, that's, if we all agreed, it would be, be incredibly boring. Um, so, you know, this is... I, I'm hoping we can do something like this again. And I know we've yeah. done done—we've done games in the past and we've even raised money for charity and done kickabouts and stuff. But I think in a way, we're, we're all fans and we all do it for the same reason. So I think we should to be honest doing stuff together more often because um yeah i think it's just that's what's good about palace and that was what's good about the march yesterday now, no matter how bad the team is the fans always turn up you know metaphorically and, and literally they always turn up and they always do their best and that's what happens on these podcasts as well so yeah i'm, de- I'm delighted you, you had the idea and brought me on i, I really enjoyed it and I, I definitely think we should do something similar again
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think we'll we'll do some some regular phone ins and, and get you involved. Uh, just exactly like this, I've I've enjoyed it immensely. I'm going to share with you uh, I, we, that we had we did a live phone in. Where where was it? It was uh, I think it was last season. Terrence might remember this. I'm not sure. But someone phoned in our show, and to, to, we had a couple of calls that phoned in just to abuse us, right? <laughs> like like you do. But one phoned up and just said Jim Daly's a wanker and hung up. Uh, <laughs> Which <I
4: don't> <laughs> I don't know how Andy Free got your number. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just, yeah, it was, uh, it was stunning, but yeah. yeah
4: well, this is the thing but when you when you put yourself out there and you do stuff on the internet, be it radio shows or podcasts or you know YouTube or whatever. Some people will just be out there to take a pop and knock you down. That, that's just unfortunately the nature of it. It's the same when I do stand up; you get people who heckle just for the sake of it. Sometimes because they want the attention on them or just to be involved or just because they don't want to see you doing something you enjoy and you know 99% of the people that listen to yours and same as ours really enjoy what we do and yeah. some people will get jealousy out of that or whatever so that's just the nature of it unfortunately and, and I when I first started doing comedy and YouTube and stuff that used to affect me but I just don't care anymore like I, can't, <laughs> I shouldn't, right. shouldn't care it's wasted energy I don't care it, people want to be like that that's totally their decision and that's fine you know but i get enough of it from the the other guys in the podcast <laughs> either, okay? so i can't, I can't have it. time to deal with it from Other people
2: yeah i mean any any abuse i get is just nothing compared to the abuse that producer mikey gives me on a daily basis <laughs> just out not? of nowhere usually involving stuff about my mum. i don't know why he's just obsessed <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I,
3: mean, I went to um i went to an all-boys school in east london um as a ginger uh, there's nothing anyone can throw at me on twitter that bothers me <laughs> believe me
2: <laughs> oh, good stuff anyway i just thought we'd have a little chat there so that, that's i enjoyed that thank you so much jim for joining us uh much Thanks appreciated uh also cheers terrence for your time and obviously for mikey for producing thank you to all our callers and uh, those of you that listening get involved next time we'll be definitely be doing this again in the near future until then see you later bye there are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, homophobia, doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proudham Palace. This
0: podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.